cuts and wounds. The one whose soul was right and true, left in shreds for something he did not do. It was an ugly Friday. The clawing crowd, when given a choice, let villain fly in single voice. But when Jesus' name was lifted high, could find no word but crucify, crucify. It was a bloody Friday filled with nails and wood and a man who would do what God only could, arms open wide, good enough to die for the very people who hung him out and bled him dry. It was a dark Friday, a shout to the sky, a spear in the side, two Marys start to cry as angry earth trembles and black clouds swell quietly. Jesus goes through hell, dying in our place dying well on Friday Good Friday How is it a day of such evil and pain ever got the word good in its name This day of infamy human villainy when the world showed off its most evil face because there in that blood-stained place when they pulled the body down like seed to ground the author of life sprouted roots of grace that would once and for all save the human race this victory death a complete surprise as demons and devils with fear in their eyes realized that once a perfect man died the law was finally satisfied no more striving no more trying no more guilt no more dying the man who lived the way we should died the way only God could and that's why we call this Friday good the day Christ fell is the day mercy stood so hold your faith lift your praise and remember as good as Friday is Easter is still on the way hope rising forever in three more days three more days Well, happy Easter, Motion City Church. So excited and so glad that you're with us this morning. I am so excited to celebrate today the, the ultimate event in human history. I'm so excited that we have the opportunity with millions of other Jesus followers around the world, we get to celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty, that death has been defeated, that the grave has been conquered, and that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. And Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, not only is an event that made history, but it's the event that made history. And this morning, we're going to be doing things just a little bit different. We're going to be doing this, this service in two parts. And, and, and the first part, I really want to sit on this moment, this Friday experience. I think it's so amazing that in the span of the same weekend, we experienced the greatest disappointment as well as the greatest miracle that has ever taken place in human history. And the reason why I talk about the biggest disappointment is because although we have the luxury in 2017 of understanding that Resurrection Sunday follows Good Friday, I wonder for a moment, in those moments, what those who had followed Jesus were thinking. I wonder about what Jesus' siblings were thinking on this Friday, and I wonder what Jesus' mother was thinking on this, on this Friday. To them, they faced the cruel and bitter reality that everything that they had committed their lives to, 
The fact that they had committed their lives to this man from God was now dead, and he died a criminal's death in between two thieves. I can understand that on that moment, what a perplexing experience this had to have been for them. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, starting in verse 32, this is what the Gospel says. It says, And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to a cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would each get a piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, the king of the Jews, two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at him now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so that we can see it and believe him, even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. Can you imagine in a moment what those people who had placed their faith in Jesus were thinking? Can you imagine what these 12 guys who had walked away from families, jobs, inheritances, were processing in this moment right now. I mean, they walked away from everything to follow Jesus. They walked away from everything. They believed that he was who he said he was, and they believed that there was something significant about his life. He chose them when no one else would. They gave him everything, and here he was, their leader, their teacher, their rabbi, hanging on a criminal's cross in between two thieves. And I wonder if there was ever a thought in their mind of, I wonder, okay, what's going to happen to us now? Are we next? Because we're associated with them. People know that we've walked with them. People know that we've ministered with them. They they know our faces. They know our names. They know where we're from. Are we going to be next? I think of Mary watching her son be mocked, ridiculed, tortured, and then crucified, watching the hands that she held as Jesus was learning to walk, and the feet that she used to kiss in raspberry to make him laugh the way that only he could, were being pierced with nails. And as she watched him beaten, his beaten and bloody body lifted up as, as an example of what happens when you make waves in the cemetery of dead religion. I can only imagine her going back to that night where she stood and had a conversation with an angel who told her, Mary, you have found favor with God. I can only assume that Mary was thinking, well, I remember that conversation, but I don't feel very favored right now. And the angel told her that she would have a son. And that son would be, would be called the son of the Most High, a king whose kingdom would have no end. And I wonder if Mary's starting to think, but yeah, but kings don't end up here. This isn't where kings end up. This was not the story that I saw being played out in my son's life. Mark chapter 15, verse 33 and 34 says this, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. And then at 3 o'clock, Jesus called out, with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, 
Lama Sabatine, which means my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I believe that it was in this moment that Jesus experienced something that he has never known before. But it's something that we have known. And maybe some of us in this place today know. Jesus experienced, as he hung on the cross, the absence of God. See, when Jesus hung on the cross, he took on himself the burden and the weight of humanity's sin. And in so doing, he experienced for the first time separation from God. And all the while, Jesus was being mocked by the crowds in front of his family, in front of his followers. And I think it's so hard to grip sometimes the fact that this was the point of Jesus' life. This was the reason. This was the big why in which he came. To end up in this place, at this time, nailed to this cross. See, for Jesus... He became the substitutionary sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. He became our sacrifice. Therefore, he made peace with God on our behalf so that we, in very varied moments throughout our life's history, could receive forgiveness and atonement for the things that separate us from God. See, this gruesome, bloody, and heart-wrenching scene is the why. For our sins to be forgiven, blood had to be shed, and someone had to die. Mark chapter 15, verse 37 through 39 says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Then the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died, and he exclaimed, This man was truly the Son of God. You see, Jesus died, and for so many, so did everything that they had given their lives to. A mother grieves the death of her son, and the devil in this moment begins to celebrate. Because in his mind, he just won. In his mind, he had just killed God's son. Victory was his. He used the people that Jesus came to save, and they turned on him. They carried out his plan perfectly, and in his mind, the fight is over. The war has been won. But let me ask you a question real quick. What if Satan's greatest victory was actually God's greatest setup? There was a time when it seemed that no light was bright enough to drive darkness away. Traces of light would come and go. But sooner or later, it all faded. In the end, darkness always won. But then came the sun, the light of the world. And with him came hope. He wasn't like the other. In fact, he had a way of turning it into light wherever he went. With his words, he made darkness and death run and hide. But darkness was crafty, and he found a loophole. He tricked people into doing his dirty work for him, and they turned on Jesus. They extinguished the only light that could drive out the darkness. 
confused and misled, the people falsely sentenced Jesus to the most gruesome execution of all, death on the cross. The moment he was crucified, in the middle of the day, darkness fell over the earth. For three hours, the sun went into hiding. It was like darkness was celebrating, no longer afraid of light. It is finished. Jesus said with his dying breath, his work here was done. The light was gone. Death's perfect record claimed the life of the only perfect person to ever live, and hope died with him. The sun was supposed to outshine the darkness. He was the one who was supposed to change everything, and death claimed but on the third day, everything changed. Light emerged from the tomb. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and with that, darkness took a hit. The giver of life had come back to life, and with him, he brought hope. He gave to us a way out of the darkness. He took back the power over death. He made a way for us to come back to the Father. Jesus brought death to death and gave life to life. Isn't it amazing how quickly in life circumstances can change? I mean, just on Friday, the followers of Jesus were experiencing their worst disappointment, and then three days later, everything changes. Jesus opens his eyes. The stone is rolled away. Jesus got up, and he walked out. What an amazing turn of events. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6 says this, Then Saturday evening, when the Sabbath had ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, who was also Jesus' brother, and Salmon went and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body very early on Sunday morning. And at, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, which is probably an appropriate question to ask of what they're about to ask. Who's going to roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Because the stone was very large. But when they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. I love this. He's not here. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where his body lay this morning, Motion City Church. We celebrate and we worship and we live our lives in response to the unequivocal fact that Jesus Christ is alive. And when Jesus opened his eyes on that Sunday morning, he was in direct defiance of Satan's moment of victory. And when he opened his eyes and when he stood up, Jesus brought things with him. He brought things back. Number one is that he, Jesus brought victory over death. Jesus says in John chapter 11, starting in verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. When this life ends, church, I want you to know that your life doesn't end. 
See, you and I, we were created to live forever. And the option of where we live is up to us. See, it's God's desire for you and for me to spend eternity with him. And so when Jesus opened his eyes on that Sunday morning, Jesus' victory over death allows you and me to look towards eternity with hope and expectancy and anticipation because we don't simply serve a religious figure, but we serve a Savior who defeated and conquered death. Number two, Jesus brought with him victory over sin. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 10, says, But when he died, when Jesus died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should con consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Because of Christ, you and I can experience victory over the things that put Jesus on that cross in the first place. Our wrongs in the eyes of God can be righted because our Savior is victorious over sin. The things that separate you and me from God don't have to separate us any longer. When we meet the grace of Jesus, our sin no longer has authority over our lives because Jesus is the reigning king. Because we're living for Christ and not for ourselves anymore, we can experience victory because Jesus Christ is victorious. And number three, and this is amazing, this is a game changer. Number three is that Jesus brought with him a way for you and for me to be in relationship with God. I love what Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, and it says this, the prophet Isaiah says, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. What a bummer verse to start the best point of the morning with. Isaiah says, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. But like every sporting event and every wrestling event you've maybe either been to or witnessed on TV, you have seen this. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You see, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. See, God's desire is to have a relationship with you. And he sent Jesus to earth to live and to die and to be raised from the dead so that through grace and faith in Christ, you and I can have an active, growing, and thriving relationship with God. This morning, I believe that God's desire for some in this place is to restore your relationship with Him. And all it takes is to acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner, that you've, that you've messed up, that you've failed. All it takes is for you to acknowledge your sin, but then surrender that sin and surrender your life to the grace that Jesus offers. It doesn't matter what you've done, and it doesn't matter where you've been. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die in your place and in my place so that you and I could receive something that we could never earn. And so this morning, what all of this has been building up to is I want to give you and I want to invite you into an opportunity to surrender your life to the grace of Jesus and to receive forgiveness for your sins. I love what Acts chapter 2 verse 21 says this. He says, but everyone, but everyone, not just a select few, 
not just the people who look like they have it right, not the people who think the right way or act the right way or believe the right way or vote the right way or whatever. Acts says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'll just be honest with you guys, I'm one of those everyones. Man, it is amazing when I understand who I am and I understand who Jesus is. That all I need to do is simply just cry out to him and he receives the mess of my life. But the amazing thing about Jesus is that he is an expert at fixing messes. He is an expert at restoring things that are broken. And this morning, if you're in this place today, and you can say, yeah, my life's a bit of a mess. There are things going on. I'm, I find myself maybe in a place that I never anticipated being or ending up in. Can I tell you something with as much confidence as in anything I ever say? That God's forgiveness and Jesus' grace covers that sin. So all across this place, I just want to invite you to just to, to close your eyes and bow your heads. And, and, and this is just kind of a quick moment where I just want us to, to take a few moments of self-examination. And as I believe that God is moving in this moment, what I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing in this moment is he is, he is not condemning, but he's kind of just urging with his grace and with his kindness and with, with his compassion. He's He's calling you to him. I want to invite the worship team up this mo one more time this morning. And, and if you're in this place today and you say, yeah, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not in a relationship with God. I haven't surrendered to the person of Jesus Christ. I'm not experiencing this victory that you talked about. Well, this morning, it, it doesn't take any... There's no prayer to pray. The scriptures just say that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so wherever you are in this place, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've involved, what you're involved in, no matter what you're planning on doing once you leave, Jesus wants to meet with you this morning. And he wants to forgive your sins. And he wants to give you a new life. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, it's just a moment between you and God if you're saying, yeah, I, I know my life needs forgiveness, my life needs a Savior. And you say, yeah, today's the day I want to make good with God. I want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers, his free forgiveness, his free gift of grace. Would you just raise your hand with no one looking around and say, yeah, that's me. I need to experience that forgiveness. I need to experience that grace. Heavenly Father, in this place you see the hand that was raised. And God, the amazing thing in these moments is that no matter what pain you went through, no matter what agony you went through, no matter what torture you went through, God, when a life is surrendered to you, it was worth it. And so God, in this place this morning, we celebrate the life that was changed the trajectory that was changed. So, Lord, we thank you in this place for your sacrifice. We thank you, 
Jesus, that you gave it all so that we could receive it all. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Motion City Church, can we rejoice? Can we clap our hands for that decision that was made today? And I just want to invite you in this moment to stand, and we're going to close out our time. We're going to close out our time together by just lifting our voices and lifting our hands as people who have been forgiven, as people who have been restored. And we're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So can I just invite you in this place to stand as the worship team leads us, and then I'll be up to close.